wretched sinner, lost and left to die. Raise your head, for love is passing by. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. Now your burden's lifted and carried far away. And precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus and live. And like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. But remember when you walk, sometimes you fall. So fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus and live. Sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, and live. Oh, and when your love spills over and music fills the night, and when you can't contain the joy inside, then dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, and live. And with your final heartbeat, kiss this world goodbye. And go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus and live. Uh, eight, we're going to be reading verses 30, 29 through 39. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 39. Jason, thank you so much for filling in today while Aaron is away. And uh, you only missed one line. We will not deduct from your honorarium, but appreciate you leading for with us, uh, for us today. And uh, we know that every time we gather together, that the Lord has uh, something great in store for us, and we certainly believe that uh, today. We are in the midst of a really toward the beginning, I guess, of our series called "Not Just Another Nation." And uh, as we look at Romans eight, nine, ten, and eleven, and we know particularly nine, ten, eleven is going to talk a lot about the nation of Israel. And we're going to talk some about. God's purpose 
in and for the nation of Israel. We're going to talk about God's purpose for the United States and where we'd like to see revival and how God, we hope, will be working in the today and in the days to come. But we're primarily talking about God's nation, that is the church, God's people. So we want to see how God is going to be working in His church and how God is going to be at work in and through you. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 29. I'm going to ask if you'd stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today. And we read this passage, this last part of the great chapter of Romans 8, and we read it as a, almost as a time of celebration, certainly always in praise. Verse 29 reads like this, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of His Holy Word, and you may be seated. It was uh, this past Sunday that we began our seven days of serving, and we wore, or I wore, blue jeans and work boots. Those work clothes. Well, I'm in work clothes again today, just to get a different kind of work, I guess. It's, we know there's a funeral for our dear Miss Polly Ellen this afternoon, uh, not long after the service today. And, uh, but let me, let me just say a word of thank you, Parkway Baptist Church family uh, and friends of Parkway, because we had several who were not necessarily members, but came and helped us as well for your seven days of serving. Thank you for all that you did. There are many aspects of our seven days of serving from last Saturday until yesterday. Probably the biggest one was that we were going to build walls and, uh, for building houses in Beauregard, and our goal was to build 84 walls 84 walls we hoped that we would be able to do during the week. We built 100, excuse me, you built, Parkway Baptist Church, 188 walls uh, during the week for houses to be built. Thank you for what you did. You painted hardy board siding for two homes. We were hoping to get through with the painting of that siding by Friday or Saturday. You finished on Wednesday. You brought supplies for gift baskets and gift cards. We were going to deliver to seven families in seven days of those who had lost uh, uh, their homes. And you delivered to ten families, large plastic tubs overflowing with stuff. We could have doubled. We could have done 20 families with what you had brought. Uh, we fed people. We fed volunteers and firefighters and school personnel. Prayed with people, listened and encouraged and loved on and found out some of their future needs. Hundreds of hands working together. Biggest day was last Sunday. We had about 120 folks who were working outside last Sunday and building walls. In about an hour and a half, 70 of those walls were built. We would have continued on hot 
Sunday afternoon. We would have continued on, but uh, we ran out of wood, and they had to bring in more wood, more supplies, so that we might be able to, so that you might be able to build uh, after that. And uh, uh, at the same time last Sunday, there were those who were feeding, preparing meals. At the same time last Sunday afternoon, there were uh, those who were gathered in, putting together gift baskets, gift cards, and all of those uh, items. Even the Fuller Center, who is sponsoring the building of the houses and have had many, many other groups, including churches and universities, said that they had never seen anything like what you did. And as far as I know, there was only one injury, one preacher who hit the wrong nail and bled all over one wall. But uh, now, I apologize to those who came toward the end of the week and you came ready to work and there was not, as far as manual labor, not more to do. We were still delivering baskets and food and those sort of things. And so note to self for next year, maybe have a couple of contingency things ready to go just in case. But we did not know, for the Lord did more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It's okay to celebrate the week and we're blessed to take part in the Lord's work. Let's be sure that we're celebrating what the Lord has done in and through you. As we looked at last week's passage in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 16 says, For they perceive that this work has been accomplished with the help of our God. We can celebrate, but we give all the glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gives us opportunity to be able to join in in His work. But this week also serves to show what we can do when we work together to accomplish a common goal or a common task. Young and old, skilled and unskilled, bleeders and non-bleeders work together to complete every project. There's much work to be done in God's kingdom. Transition to this week's passage that we just read, because here's the thing, victory is already assured. If we can define our task, that is the task that we have, the Lord has for us as a church, the task and the purpose and the goals that the Lord has for you as believers and as individuals, there is nothing that cannot be accomplished because, as the Apostle Paul wrote, and we just read a moment ago, if God be for us, who can be against us? The Apostle Paul, in the last half of this great eighth chapter in Romans, set out to convince his readers, meaning you and me, that Jesus is indeed for you. And he reminds us about the greatest event in history. He reminds us about the great, greatest gesture in the universe, the day that Jesus gave His life for us, and He rose again. Verse 34 of Romans chapter 8, it says, Christ Jesus is one who died, more than that, who was raised. It's the reason that we celebrate Christmas and Easter. It is the, we measure date and days by His coming because He gave the ultimate sacrifice. The Lord's day moved to Sunday from the Sabbath, from Saturday to Sunday because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Also, there's purpose that is found in everything because of what Christ Jesus has done that the Apostle Paul tells us about. Our, one of our verses from two weeks ago, the verse just before the verse that we read, maybe the most famous in this chapter, Romans 8, 28, where it says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Let it be known that these descriptions that are found in the last section of Romans 8 are true for all genuine believers in Jesus Christ, not just the super-religious, not just those who shine out way more than most, but for all believers. Let it also be known that there's purpose and incentive for all who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior to live victoriously in Christ. And when we're done today, 
to anyone who hears of what the Lord does for his followers, may it be that they cannot help declare that this Jesus is the kind of Lord that they would not want to face eternity or not want to face any day for the rest of their life without knowing Him as their Savior and Lord. Now, in your notes you have a crossword puzzle, unique probably to the way in which we usually take notes. And One, I hope it's at least a curiosity or attention getter, but two, may it serve as an illustration at least for us to be able to say that on this day, let no one be puzzled or confused about the Lord's intent when it comes to you. For this passage assures when it comes to God and His children, the genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing is held back. There's nothing held back. Meaning, God keeps nothing good from you. No good thing. He wants you to be able to have and to experience everything that is good, godly, holy, and best. And in this scripture that we are, though the word is never used, we're we're introduced here to God once again in scripture as the Trinity. We know that we have one God. We know Him as our Father and as the Son and as the Holy Spirit. It is so that we might be able to experience fully the love of God. Verse 31 says, if God is for us, it could be understood as since God is for us, or it might be understood by the time you finish reading what Paul says, you're going to know that God is for us, and so since He is for us, we know that all these things are true, and we understand that He is for us. Well, the Son is for us. He proved it by His death on the cross of Calvary. The Holy Spirit who indwells inside each believer is as far as. In fact, all of Romans chapter 8, it is almost a tribute. It is, talks about it. The Holy Spirit has a starring role in giving life, liberty, hope, and guidance. Oh, God the Father is for us. Verses 29 and 30 that we read a moment ago tells us that He foreknew us before the foundation of the world. Now, being God, we would have to all agree, all knowledge is His. He knew you before you were you. He knew before foundation of the world that you were going to accept Jesus Christ as His Lord and Savior, that you would be His child. Then we come to that word that some people gravitate to and others would hardly want to whisper it. It is that God predestined. But I encourage you to have no fear. It is a biblical word. And for those who are in Christ, you can be sure that you are predestined. Now take a look at verse 29. You're predestined for what? To be like Christ. He's conforming you to the image of His Son. Predestined does not simply mean God's foreknowledge of your salvation because this passage says what He foreknew, He also predestined. So they are not one and the same. I want you to understand, I believe in the sovereignty of God. If you're in Christ, it's because God chose you to be in Christ. Does that mean that you and me and others have no free will in the matter? No, it does not. Time and time again, the Bible tells us that whosoever will may come. Some accept that free gift of salvation and others do not. Well, how can both be true? How can the sovereignty and the predetermined will of God and our free will to be saved and not to be saved, how can both be true? I want you to understand this. It is a mystery of God. 
that we believe to be true, that we accept by faith, that we understand we do not fret over the matter. Instead, we'll be thankful to all those who know Jesus personally that God has predetermined, has chosen us, and that we are part of the elect. Maybe one of the best illustrations that I know of when it talks about predestination versus man's free will. It may have been Charles Spurgeon who gave this illustration, but he said when you come into the gate and you're standing on the outside of the gate, that is the gate to be able to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, there's a large sign over the gate that says, Whosoever will may come. But after you have, by His grace, accepted that through faith and you have walked in and entered into that gate, if you look back, you'll see on that gate it says, Welcome all those who are of the elect, whom God predestined before the beginning of the world to be part of His family. How thankful we are that the God, that the Lord has, that the Lord foreknew that we would be His children. He predestined us that we might be able to become like Jesus and to know Him personally. What's well, a long explanation to say that God is for you, for He foreknew you, and if He for knew you, He predestined you to be like His Son. If He predestined you, then He called you into service. And if He called you, then He justified you. That is, He made you without sin because of Christ's forgiveness and the blood of what Jesus did for us. When Christ looks down at us, when the Lord looks down, He does not see sin any longer. It is because of the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if He justified you, He will glorify you. You will be like Jesus with Him forever. Now notice that word glorified, it's stated in the past. Now have we been glorified yet? You know when you look at me, I've not been glorified. Listen, we're not glorified yet. One day we're going to be glorified, but it's stated in the past as if it is really true because it is true you will be glorified. He foreknew, He predestined, He called, He justified, He glorified. He holds no good thing back. And if that were not enough to prove God is for you, verse 32 that we read it says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how he, will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? In other words, the Father, as John 3.16 states, gave His only begotten Son. You remember the story of Abraham. Abraham and his only son Isaac, and he was asked to sacrifice his only son. And when he came, he was willing to sacrifice his son, and just before the knife fell... Bible says the angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12. It says, He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Can we conclude that if Abraham would sacrifice Isaac, there was not anything that he would not do, anything that he would not sacrifice for God? Let me tell you, we can conclude that because that's what God says about Abraham as well. Then may we also conclude that if the Heavenly Father would sacrifice the Son for you, then there would be no good thing that He would hold back. Now, if you were to go into a car lot and they were to give you a brand new car for nothing, I mean, maybe you're the one millionth customer. Maybe you won a contest. Maybe they just like the way you look and they decided they're going to give you a car. I mean, tax, tag, title, dealer prep, whatever that is, all is going to be included in this. And they, they convinced you it was true. Well, they picked you up off the floor and you got your car. Would you not think it would include a lot of the incidentals? I mean, things like the steering wheel would be included or the battery or hubcaps or maybe even floor mats. Well, Paul uses the argument 
that God's given the greatest thing already through the cross of Christ, surely He'll give you things that are trivial, not trivial to us, but trivial in comparison. That is everything that's necessary in this life. So when you go through physical battles, He's there with you. When you go through financial hardships, He doesn't leave you alone. When you go through hurts and disappointments, relationship woes, He's never going to turn His back. Jesus gave a similar argument when He said, Consider the birds of the air. They do not plant or harvest or gather into barns, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Or consider the lilies of the field. They grow, but they do not work or toil. Are you not much more important? Jesus says, Surely He will care for you. God is by nature a giving God. And friends, when you choose Jesus, you've chosen everything that is good and every good thing. This passage also assures when it comes to God and His children, His followers, He holds nothing against you ever. Nothing against ever. This chapter begins, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It begins by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the chapter concludes by stating that He holds nothing against you and He never will if you're a follower of Jesus. Now the world may bring charges against you, which may be false. You may be bringing charges against yourself, which the devil wants you to do to yourself, but Christ never will. In fact, we read in verse 34 a moment ago four things that Christ does for us. That Christ died for us. He rose again for us. He's even now at the right hand of God and He makes intercession for us. Now, intercession, isn't that the word used to describe prayer? Now, I don't want you to miss this because the Holy Spirit earlier in this chapter says that He prays for us in utterances too deep for words. In other words, we don't know what to pray. He prays for us. If we pray the wrong thing, Holy Spirit's praying the right thing. Holy Spirit prays for us according to Romans 8. And then here's the picture. That's within us. Holy Spirit's living in us. So the picture that he's painting now is here's Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's also praying. He's interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. All bases are covered. You cannot ask for a greater picture to know that God is for you. He holds nothing against his children. But notice what's in this fourfold work of Christ. Or what's not in the fourfold work of Christ? He does not condemn us. What is described as a far cry from condemnation. It's a love that holds nothing against the believer. Oh, how Satan wishes to accuse us and help heap guilt on the believer so that we're unable to do kingdom any good. Do you remember the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 where he says, Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and run the race that is before us. Now, if you're carrying a guilt this morning, it's probably keeping you from experiencing the love of God as you should, and it's keeping you from the course that He has for you. I hope that already you have come in confession with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, there's no way to become a believer without repentance. The Bible tells us without repentance there is no remission of sin. So we must have come at least one time and laid upon all of our sins before the Father, and He's forgiven us of all of our sins. But in order for our fellowship to continue, in order for us to be able to experience all the love, we must 
daily coming to confession with the Lord Jesus. And even today you'll have opportunity again to turn all your guilt, all of your sins over to the Lord. The good news of the gospel reminds us condemnation may come from a lot of places, but for the believer it will not come from the Lord. And the passage teaches us that we can know that he, that nothing is held back, nothing is held against you ever. If you belong to Jesus, nothing comes between you and his love. Nothing comes between you and his love. Now, Paul's answered the question for us, what Christ has done for each one of us. But what about us? I mean, what happens when we're going through tough times? What about when we go through temptations and trials? What about when we fail? What then? Again, he says literally, nothing can distance us from the love of God. Take a look at verse 35, it says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Now, Paul may have been very well thinking as he wrote this. He may have been thinking about his own biography. He may have been thinking about all the things that he went through as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the famine and the distress and the persecution and everything else that he went through. And he may have listed, in a sense, all of those things. But do any of these words describe things that have happened in your life? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Now, these life events do not weaken God's love, but they strengthen it. They, they are no proof that God has ceased to love us. In fact, if you've gone through some of these things, it could be because of how much God loves you that He's allowed you to go through some of these. Hebrews, again, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. God sometimes allows us to go through tough times. He doesn't always shelter us like we would like, and we do not always understand why God allows us to go through certain things, but to use that word predestined again, what has He predestined us to do? It is to become more like Christ, to become the image of His own Son. The likelihood of that happening for you and me without going through difficult or tough times would be very unlikely. The, these times are needed to strengthen us and to help us in our spiritual growth. Standing for God sometimes costs you something. I remember that it was King David who one time made the statement, I will not offer the Lord a sacrifice which costs me nothing. We stand ready to give, stand ready to sacrifice if that's what is required. Paul said here, for in everything we are more than conquerors. Well, actually the phrase, more than conquerors, is one word in the original language. And it means literally super conquerors. That we're not just conquerors, we're not just more than conquerors, but somehow we have become, because of the Lord Jesus in our life, because of His power, the Holy Spirit living in us, we're as super conquerors. And time and time again, you find in the New Testament, you find those who were following Christ when they were beaten and they were persecuted, they were put in jail and even had, were killed for the sake of the gospel. And we find evidence of the faith that they continue to show in their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Psalm 118, verse 16. I wish I'd have had this on the screen for you, but you just write down one, Psalm 118, 16 if you'd like to. But it says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
Because in Christ, we're not just conquerors, we're super conquerors. Full access to completely trusting in God. So why do we keep on living defeated lives? Don't let the happenings of this world defeat or to keep your focus off Jesus, for nothing can come between you and His love. The conclusion of this chapter is said not to be open to interpretation, but more to great reflection. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. It's not death, which brings us into the very presence of the Lord. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. The response of many early Christian martyrs, even outside of the New Testament, was, thank you for taking my life. You will usher me into the presence of the Lord Jesus and my Savior. Nothing will separate us, not death, not life. Life can be more difficult to face sometimes than death, but regardless of the pain or difficulty, we remember the words of Jesus, Lo, I'm with you always to the very end. Not angels. Angels are God's messengers. They won't. They are here to serve us, not separate us. Not principalities or powers referring to the forces of evil. Not all the powers of hell itself can keep God's love away. Not things present. Not our present circumstances or the fears we face today. Jesus said He is the great I Am. If He is risen, then He's always dwelling in the present. Not things to come, meaning worries for tomorrow. No matter what the future holds, He is the future for all those who are genuine believers. It's already written. Not the... Not Verse 39 says, not height can separate us from God's love. Maybe a reference to that which is even above the sky, which certainly was a mystery in Paul's day, still a mystery to us uh, as it continues on and on and is vast. But the Lord wants us, and because of His love, to go where no man has gone before in understanding and demonstrating God's love. Not, nor can death, lowest places on the earth, the sea, or anywhere in the universe can any other created or any other created thing keep us from God's love. And then, not anything. Oh, it's an abundance of truth that cannot be overlooked. A majestic way of saying that nothing can stop the love of God once God has opened the door and we have responded to Him in faith. We open the door of God's love by opening our heart and allowing Jesus to control and give our life to Him. Will you open the door to God's love today? We open the door to God's love today if for the first time accepting Christ as your Savior and Lord. Will you continue to open the door of God's love today if you're already a believer in the Lord Jesus by seeking His face, the sweet fellowship and understanding of all the things and all the love that He's done for us. Some years ago, we were at the beach on a retreat and I was a chaperone with 45, 50 uh, of our young people, and one night we went to Pizza Hut uh, to eat. All-you-can-eat pizza is going to be involved if you've got young people sometime during the week. So we go to the All-you-can-eat Pizza Hut. There were several folks in there. In one particular booth, there were three rather large young men, probably in their 20s, and, uh, and uh, they were, had been drinking, obviously. They were pretty loud, and uh, particularly maybe our junior high girls would, uh, you know, look over and stare at them whenever they made loud. Most, most of us just tried to ignore. But uh, one of them yelled, you know, at the girls, what are you looking at? And a couple of superlatives flew pretty loud. That, and finally it was that such that it could not be ignored. And while I'm looking around for a Pizza Hut employee or manager or something, no one to be found. 
And uh, so I get up and I walk over toward the booth, and by the time I get there, they're already standing up. Now, before I tell you what I said, let me tell you what it may have looked like. Because as I walked up there, and three Brother Lawrence guys there, you know, and I walk up, and I talked to them for about two minutes, and without saying a word, it looked like they turned and walked out of the restaurant. And later, one of our young men asked me, said, uh, Brother Jeff, what did you say to them? I told them if they didn't leave this restaurant right now, I was going to kick them around the restaurant until they did. His eyes got real big. He said, did you really? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I walked over. Heart was racing. I'm sure the knees were knocking. And, you know, I said, uh, I said gentlemen, uh, you know, we've got some, we're a church group. We've got young people here, families, kids here in the restaurant. I said, I'd appreciate it if you'd watch your language. And uh, one of them pointed to the biggest guy, and he said, he just signed for the Seattle Seahawks, and he's got to be at training camp next week. I had no idea what that had to do with what we were talking about, but I shook his hand, and I said, well, congratulations. And I said, you can see as a member of the NFL, of course, this is a long time ago, a player for the NFL, you know, that, and again, what that had to do with anything, I had no idea, but I was looking for something, and I said, surely you understand how you want to not use that language maybe around ladies and kids here that are in the restaurant. And actually, they apologized, and then went and walked out of the restaurant. And uh, I gained my composure, thanked the Lord Jesus, went down and uh, acted, ate my pizza and acted like it was no big deal. Well, you know, sometimes we face different things that we think are going to turn out a certain way and they turn out maybe not as bad as we had thought. Sometimes life better than we thought, maybe. Sometimes we face bullies in our life and sometimes no matter what your age, it could be a person. Sometimes bullies... Maybe, or not people, they're things like depression and loneliness and relationship problems, temptations, feelings of failure, or even an overwhelming drive for success. There may be other things that seem to push you around or seem to have control. We have someone with an overwhelming love that is bigger than any bully in your life. And when, you're, when you stand toe-to-toe against any difficulty in your life and our God stands beside you and before you and behind you, What's left to be said? Nothing. If God be for us, what does it matter who is against us? This is the very central of the gospel. Jesus died for you and He rose again. And the one thing that you can know for sure is that Jesus is on your side. And you feel, if you feel the world or something is against you today, this invitation is for you. You come to the one who's always on your side. Nothing can stop His love for you. And if you have ever felt separated from His love, come today knowing that He will never leave you nor ever let anything keep Him from loving you. We live in a world that needs the touch of the risen Savior. You can know today that you can experience His touch on your life. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord today, come accepting Jesus as your Savior Or if this is the place that you wish to come and serve because you experience His love and you can come and join this fellowship, we welcome you by statement or by letter or by baptism. However the Lord is leading you today. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the great love that you have shown us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that which is overwhelming, incomprehensible, which as we seek your face we know that we can experience more and more of. Father, when we turn our backs, we realize and feel that 
maybe the love is not what it all is, but reality is that you love us more than we could ever imagine. We pray, Father, today, if there's one that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation. We pray, Father, for those who are looking for a church home. And, Father, we pray if this is where the Lord is leading, that you will allow them, Father, to come and be a part of continuing to grow in their faith and finding their place to serve you. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you stand, please?